Welcome, language enthusiasts, to another enriching episode of Grammar Greens. Today, we're delving into the magical world of literature, a treasure trove for English language learners seeking to expand their vocabulary and language horizons. Reading plays a pivotal role in language learning, immersing us in new worlds and exposing us to the beauty of the written word. In this episode, we'll journey into the captivating realm of Lydia Davis, an exceptional American short story writer known for her remarkable ability to craft mesmerizing narratives in just a few words. We'll explore the collected stories of Lydia Davis and dive into three of her incredibly short yet powerful stories A Natural Disaster, The Actors, and Trying to Learn. But before we delve into these literary gems, Let's learn more about the remarkable mind behind these tales, Lydia Davis herself. Lydia Davis, born in 1947, is an American writer renowned for her unique and innovative approach to short fiction. With a keen eye for detail and a mastery of brevity, she has left an indelible mark on the literary world. Davis's writing is characterized by its precision, introspection, and the ability to find profound meaning in the seemingly mundane. Her stories often explore human emotions, relationships, and the complexities of everyday life. Writing for The Guardian, William Skidelsky notes that, I quote, Davis's fiction has always depended on a balance between feeling and detachment. Emotions are hinted at, but mostly remain concealed beneath a carapace of wry pedantry. End of quote. Let's translate this last sentence in Italian, as it may contain words you are unfamiliar with. Emotions are hinted at. In Italian, it would be le emozioni sono accennate but mostly remain concealed, ma per lo più rimangono nascoste, beneath a carapace of rye pedantry, sotto una corazza di ironica pedanteria. Throughout her illustrious career, Davis has received numerous accolades and awards, including the prestigious Man Booker International Prize in 2013, further solidifying her status as a literary luminary. Davis is also an award-winning translator. She has translated works by Gustave Flaubert and 
Marcel Proust, among others. Now let's embark on an extraordinary journey through Lydia Davis's world as we read three of her captivating short stories A Natural Disaster, The Actors, and Trying to Learn. A Natural Disaster In our home here by the rising sea, we will not last much longer. The cold and the damp will certainly get us in the end, because it is no longer possible to leave. The cold has cracked open the only road away from here. The sea has risen and filled the cracks down by the marsh where it is low, has sunk and left salt crystals lining the cracks, has risen again higher and made the road impassable. The sea washes through the pipes into our basins, and our drinking water is brackish. Mollusks have appeared in our front yard and our garden, and we can't walk without crushing their shells at every step. At every high tide, the sea covers our land, leaving pools when it ebbs among our rose bushes and in the furrows of our rye field. Our seeds have been washed away, the crows have eaten what few were left. Now we have moved into the upper rooms of the house and stand at the window watching the fish flash through the branches of our peach tree. An eel looks out from below our wheelbarrow. What we wash and hang out the upstairs window to dry freezes. Our shirts and pants make strange writhing shapes on the line. What we wear is always damp now, and the salt rubs against our skin until we are red and sore. Much of the day now we stay in bed under heavy, sour blankets. The wooden walls are wet through. The sea enters the cracks at the window sills and trickles down to the floor. Three of us have died of pneumonia and bronchitis at different hours of the morning before daybreak. There are three left, and we are all weak. Can't sleep but lightly, can't think but with confusion, don't speak and hardly see light and dark anymore. Only dimness and shadow.
The actors. In our town, there is an actor, age, a tall, bold, feverish sort of man who easily fills the theatre when he plays Othello, and about whom the women here become very excited. He is handsome enough compared to the other men, though his nose is somewhat thick and his torso rather short for his height. His acting is stiff and inflexible, his gestures obviously memorized and mechanical, and yet his voice is strong enough to make one forget all that. On the nights when he is unable to leave his bed because of illness or intoxication, and this happens more often than one would imagine, the part is taken by Jay, his understudy. Now, Jay is pale and small, completely unsuitable for the part of a moor. His legs tremble as he comes on stage and faces the many empty seats. His voice hardly carries beyond the first few rows, and his small hands flutter uselessly in the smoky air. We feel only pity and irritation as we watch him, and yet by the end of the play we find ourselves unaccountably moved, as though something timid and sad in Othello's character had been conveyed to us in spite of ourselves. But the mannerisms and skill of H and J, which we analyse minutely when we visit together in the afternoons and contemplate even when we are alone after dinner, suddenly seem insignificant when the great spa comes down from the city and gives us a real performance of Othello. Then we are so carried away, so exhausted with emotion, that it is impossible to speak of what we feel. We are almost grateful when he's gone and we are left with H and J. Imperfect as they are, for they are familiar to us and comfortable like our own people. Trying to learn. I am trying to learn that this playful man who teases me is the same as that serious man talking money to me so seriously he does not even see me anymore, and that patient man offering me advice in times of trouble, and that angry man slamming the door as he leaves the house. I have often wanted the playful man to be more serious, and the serious man to be less serious, and the patient man to be more playful. As for the angry man, he is a stranger to me, and I do not feel it is wrong to hate him. 
Now I am learning that if I say bitter words to the angry man as he leaves the house, I am at the same time wounding the others, the ones I do not want to wound. The playful man teasing, the serious man talking money, and the patient man offering advice. Yet I look at the patient man, for instance, whom I would want above all to protect from such bitter words as mine, and though I tell myself he is the same man as the others, I can only believe I said those words not to him but to another, my enemy, who deserved all my anger. And there we have it, a glimpse into the brilliance of Lydia Davis's storytelling. Her masterful use of language captivates us, evoking a multitude of emotions and reflections in just a few sentences. As we bid farewell to Lydia Davis's enchanting world, let's remember the power of literature in language learning. Reading not only enriches our vocabulary, but also opens windows to new cultures and perspectives. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Grammar Greens. If you enjoyed this literary escapade, don't forget to subscribe, share and leave us a review. Your support means the world to us. Until next time, keep exploring the vast landscapes of language and may the joy of reading always illuminate your journey. Cheerio!